HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Cheap Date. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and we're on Heritage Radio Station Network <laughs> here at Roberta's Pizza. It's Monday, November 18th. Sorry, 16th. I'm getting everything wrong today. Most of it, at least. Most of it. Well, here. So we're brought to you today by TechSurf, and you can call in today at 718-497-2128 or check out the website, heritageradionetwork.com. Um, so today, I thought uh, we'd further the discussion on aphrodisiac foods we're having a couple weeks ago with uh, Yolanda Shoshana and Matt Timms and bring in some of the best and brightest experts on the subject, hopefully. Um, it turns out they had some differing thoughts about the existence of, of aphrodisiacs, but we'll get that to that in just a sec. But um, I wanted to introduce who these folks are. And if I may attempt to describe everything you do, Rachel, um, this is Rachel Kramer Bussell. 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 I can't get anything right today. Anyway, so Rachel, let me let me just try. You edit the best American erotica books. Uh, no, um, best sex er- writing. Erotic, best sex writing. Best sex writing books. Sorry, okay. sorry. That's the that's the better anthology. I'm just kidding. You also edited an anthology of sex writing called Spanked. Yes. Focused around spanking. And one called Sex and Candy, which is about candy. Oh my gosh! Perfect. Sex. Candy. Okay, so then you also write a blog along with two other writers called Cupcakes, Cupcakes Take the Cake. It is the cupcake blog, the quintessential one. And you also write freelance for, I don't know how many things, the frisky.com, is that I one? Looked, yeah. Okay, Nerve? Not, no. And the Daily oh, Beast? It's okay. The Daily Beast. <laughs> I'm just going to let you keep going so I can... Maybe I should let you do it over. And and I run a reading series called In the Flesh Reading Series, which you can find out at intheflushreadingseries.com. There's one this Thursday. And Kathy's reading in January, Sex and Food Night. I am. It is the quintessential sex and food reading night, I think, in the city. I think that's And it's taking place at Happy Endings. Yes. Very appropriately titled bar. Michael, you find that? (laughs) I like your silent laughter. Well, I just you can laugh. I, I, I'll laugh when I need to laugh. I, I, <laughs> at the moment, I was just 
you were enjoying just the spectatorness. A yeah, little heart attack there. <laughs> since, right. since I hadn't been introduced yet, I didn't know if I technically sorry. needed to, yeah, to oh, exist oh, on, on my. Okay, sorry. No, no, nothing to be sorry about. You were. <laughs> okay, so we have a sex food writing expert, and we also have a cooking expert, uh, culinary whiz kid. Not really kid. He has so much older than yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. He does have a beard and mustachio. So um, this is Michael Serino. Thanks so much for being here today. Quite a pleasure to meet you. Great. So you also have a supper club called A Razor Shiny Knife, which is where you do your culinary feats. Um, this is. Can you tell us a little bit about how it works? What is a supper club? Do you well, get that a lot? What, what we do is we put together these culinary events that focus on uh, three individual bits. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up, I come from a large Italian family, and we were used to cooking together. You know, I don't have, like, a TV room in my house. We just have a very big kitchen. So all our friends and family used to get together and participate in the process. So about two years ago, me and a, a very good friend of mine named Danielle started doing this similar type of thing where we'd invite people over. Instead of just serving them food, we'd cook with them. So, Sunday night dinners. Sunday night yeah. dinners, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we'd get together, play bocce, get drunk, and then eventually you need to eat, and a whole bunch of us would get together and cook into the wee hours of the evening. And we realized that there was a big bit of this missing in in the New York City food scene and just, I guess, in cooking in general. So we started inviting people we didn't know over to cook and participate in that process. And we discovered that not only is the cooking process really great for socializing, but it's also very a good way for learning things, you know, specifically food, but also from the guests. So we used it as an excuse to, to kind of get interesting people in a room together, teach them how to make something. Steal like, their tricks. Yeah, make pasta or something. Be like, oh. Steal you, their I'm, grandmother's pasta tricks. Or, you know, learn something about like accounting. It seems silly, but like, you know, like you're talking about making pasta and you're making pasta and you're like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I'm a financial analyst and I uh, I work with uh, oil futures or something. Oh, that's great. But on the side, I, I, I make guitars. <laughs> oh, I play guitar. And then all of a sudden you're talking about his passion and her passion and two people are starting to connect on something that's a little bit more interesting than what they do for a daily basis or what they more to to what they love and it's kind of opened up by this process of cooking and then recently we got to the to a a level of doing that well enough where we could have people socialize and learn um, where we wanted to make things theatrical happen as well and we do all sorts of interesting types of events it's totally true and as as far as those conversations that's that's one aspect of it I hadn't really thought about too much. Um, I definitely know that I've learned pretty much everything I know about cooking from cooking with you guys, Razor Shiny Knife, and, and that, the like experience, you know, just from cooking with people rather than sitting in a classroom or reading a book. Exactly. Is where it happens. But um, I, I think the last time I went to to cook at your place with a bunch of people, um, we were making meatballs for the meatball, the great meatball contest in the city. And there's some guy that we were talking for a while and he happened to, his wife worked at the Rachel Ray show. Right. Totally like, you know, same, uh, same, uh, fields we were talking about. Um, cause I, I was like, Oh, and I happen to be writing this book about food. And he's like, Oh, my wife's, you know, works on TV and the Rachel Ray show. And then I learned this funny fact that, uh, Rachel Ray is crazy about her dog and she has her dog's, she lets dogs run around the office like his wife's dog can hang out on a food show and i thought that was really neat to yeah. learn and you see that that's the kind of thing like these are there's all these connections between human beings that i personally really enjoy and one of the best ways to do that is through something that's really open socially and cooking happens to be something that, that can connect you know you might like country music you like might like hip-hop but pretty much everybody likes food you know arts can be different reading can be different some people are conservative some people are liberal but you get people around and if it's tasty it's generally going to be tasty so you can kind of work around that whole thing and kind of find fun and interesting bits that way to connect with people it's amazing because this is something that used to happen quite a lot and you found that to be a missing aspect in New York City you certainly don't get that to that extent in a restaurant unless you happen to 
be in cahoots with the kitchen staff and can run around, <laughs> run amok. Which is, which is very so, tough, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were telling me when I did this no eating out for two years, they were like, how did you socialize? How did you hang out? How did you go on dates? You know, so this is, this is one of the fun things about it. Dating, um, dating is tough, though, by not going out at all. Hey, haven't people <laughs> gone to your supper club dinners on a date before? Do you notice this happening? A couple, you know, I've I mean, seen this. It, yeah. it, it's, um, I, we had one guy who, you know, was, had, had been, um, really focused on this one girl for a very long time, I guess. And this was his way of kind of broaching the whole, you know, oh. we should try to uh, make this a little bit more serious situation. And that was, that was nice. He they ended up staying for the 24 hour dinner, ended up staying like for 18 hours that night, going home wow. for, yeah. going home for a couple hours and then coming back for breakfast. So I could only, oh my gosh. Hopefully, wow. hopefully they had a great time. Hot with date. Themselves. Yeah. Hot date. Exactly. And That's more a intimate long date. too. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had, they had been seeing each other for a while at that point, but I think he was hoping to make it more yeah. of a commitment thing. And this was his way of being really impressive with interesting bits to do. I don't know. I mean, again, it was, I was cooking a lot of food at the time and I was only catching little snippets. Would of you, that. Were you making some aphrodisiac food at the time? I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that I, what it, happened? It, yeah, exactly. I was, I was able to, uh, catapult their, uh, their love for each other into the, into the next morning by, uh, serving them oysters and oh, chocolate oh, okay. and candied, uh, that's always good. Candy deer hearts or something like that. Candy deer hearts. Is equally wow. as ridiculous oh, hearts. as oysters. I never yeah. thought of that. Hearts is an aphrodisiac. No. Yeah, no. Actually, nothing okay. is an aphrodisiac. No, yeah. Is what I was saying before. But um, I mean, <laughs> but if it, there it, were, if there were, I mean, I guess a lot of the aphrodisiacs that people quote unquote think are aphrodisiacs um, either resemble um, uh, sex organs or have something to do with the process of love. So oysters. Right. Um, Asparagus, that's one we went into. Yeah. Uh, you know... There's a lot of cultures that just like eating penises. Yeah, you know, we're... <laughs> I'm not, I mean... There like, happen to be pasta shapes, like male genitalia, apparently. Oh, I mean, yes. But that's like... But that's, that's very... Kind of, that's, Eric, that's kind of old. That's the right party, like, I don't know, it seems kind You'd of... You'd think so, but there, it's actually a traditional... There's traditional shapes. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, where the chefs were wow. probably like, hee-hee. Yeah, not, not the and, ones that just look like a little penis. No, no not, not like, like you, you go to Kirsten yeah. Street and pick up some <laughs> pasta. <laughs> which is which is extreme, extremely bachelorette one. party. And then you uh, could put it in a creamy Alfredo. <laughs> now you're just getting silly. I know, sorry. That was terrible. Um, so, so wait, when is your next event? <laughs> the, the next dinner that we're doing is uh, actually an Italian dinner. Um, we're doing a series of three dinners. Um, uh, since I come from a very large Italian family, we always did Christmas Eve together, which is a feast of seven fishes, right? Um, and it is? Yes, technically, uh, for Christmas. Italians. Christmas Eve. Seven fish. Yes, yeah. seven fish. So what we're doing is on um, December 10th, um, my friend uh, Jonathan and... Uh, and Brian have a, a, a wine club called the Noble Rot, and they're going to be doing an Italian wine seminar. We're going to be serving some Italian snacks with that. That's the tenth. Uh, the eleventh, we're doing Christmas Eve, um, which is which is going to be um, a Friday night. It's going to be a seven, it's. I think it's going to end up being nine courses, but we're doing the Feast of the Seven Fishes. So this is going to be um, traditionally inspired Italian food, but all seafood. Um, and then on Saturday, we're doing Christmas Day, which is going to be much more traditional kind of laid back meal. There's going to be a goose. There's going to be pasta. There's going to be meat sauce. Um, and everything's going to be very, uh, very Italian oriented in those three days. Um, and then Jonathan, I believe, is going to be doing a performance, a one man performance of a Christmas carol both nights. Um, oh, wow. I want to go. Johnny Cigar. Johnny Cigar. He's the best. Wow. Like, I wouldn't say that to him personally because I think it might... <laughs> inflate his Boost ego a little ego. bit yeah well, but i mean he's he's decent at least we could say that i mean he's better than average i will say he's quite he's quite good as a performer so awesome. uh, so okay so we got 
Feast of Seven Fishes coming up. What, what's oh, your We Christmas are having like? a five... Well, this is not about Christmas, but we're having a five-year blogiversary party on December 3rd at the Roger Smith Hotel for Cupcakes Take the Cake, and uh, we're in the process of asking, like, every bakery in town and in New Jersey, because people apparently come from New Jersey to bring us cupcakes, as they did on Saturday at our meetup, um, to come to Roger Smith Hotel and bring us cupcakes. So This could quite possibly... We're going to have, like... Probably hundreds of cupcakes. Yeah, I was going to say this could be the largest cupcake gathering in quite yeah, a while. Yeah, we're going to be prepared it's... this year because we did one last year and like um, we kind of ran out of cupcakes and we had to get more and people were like, where are the cupcakes? And they got kind of hostile and I was like, okay, Ooh. people. So we're going to yeah, RSVP are... only so that we know how many people are coming so we can be ready. Cupcakes are not something you should get aggressive about. Yeah, sometimes people get like <laughs> snotty, and I'm like, "This is my happy place. This is how my, many like, cupcakes do you need to eat? Not how many can fun, should you eat in one place? sitting? Yeah, I guess it really just depends on how big they are, mm-hmm. right? I yeah, well, I can well, say like still. one time I ate <laughs> like five cupcakes once, and it was, it was too many. That's like okay over a night, but like I go, it was like my dinner, but it was it's like two much. slices of cake, but yeah. it was. No, cupcakes are big. It, it was probably more than two slices. Well, of nowadays cake, I, I see mini cupcakes more so than often. Minis are good. I mean, yeah, more so than that. Now, if you work on but, the muffin kind of side of things, I know a corn muffin can have an unconscionable amount of calories. I to actually it. asked someone the other day. I was like, "Why do muffins have like five, six, more hundred calories? Like, that's a lot of calories." Is it the density? I, I actually I didn't get an answer. I just they were like, "Oh, they're big and they're like." I don't know, butter. I'm going to conclude that cupcakes are not typically an aphrodisiac food. <laughs> well. But, uh, <laughs> the calorie, you know. Just well, the, but you could no? like feed it to someone. I mean, I think oh, it depends what the context is. Okay. Like if you bring so, cupcakes to a date. Do you ever, yeah, that's I've true. That. Do you ever have cupcakes at the, in the flesh nights? We so have cupcakes have, every time. And okay. we're having special cupcakes with Raunchy my face ones. on them. Oh, with your face on them. Ooh. And my cleavage. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's sexy, isn't it? No, it's my logo, which is drawn by Molly Crabapple. That is a really um, cool who's logo. A phenomenal artist. I'm, I'm getting special art cupcakes. That is a really great... So, so they're going to paint this image yeah, I don't know each how cupcake. they're going to do it, but... They're not going to make, like, breast cupcakes magic? or butt no, cupcakes? No, or, I didn't no? ask. It's, okay. I just, but I asked them to do that. And, and these chocolate mm-hmm. banana ones that are... They look amazing. Wow. And we're having 300 mini cupcakes from Bake My Melissa. So if you don't get a cupcake, that's your problem because, like... There's going to be up. more than enough. You know, people Hit. are like, there weren't enough. I'm like, there were like 200 cupcakes. Come early to In the Flesh. Yes. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. If you want to call in, the number is 
We're back on Cheap Date. I'm Kathy Irway. This is Heritage Radio Network. It brought to you today by TechServe. We're at Roberta's Pizza. Um, so today we're talking with Rachel Kramer. Bus- Wait, Bustle. sorry. sorry. <laughs> Rachel Kramer Bustle. I keep saying it wrong. People say it wrong all the yeah. time. And they spell it wrong. It's okay. I spell it wrong all the time. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. There's not like some other one with like slightly, you know, people know. So, so okay. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those those long. I was trying to say like, yeah, it's no big deal. Okay, so Rachel Kramer Bussell, no. (laughs) I got it. You want me to take care of this part for the rest of the afternoon? Yes, please do. Address all my guests from now on. Michael, you should come on every show seriously. And 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 just address your guests for you, and then say quietly the rest of the evening. Exactly. So we're all that guy in the corner. Yeah, he's the announcer. So, okay, actually, and can you clarify, because last time we had a great chat about all these aphrodisiac foods, like things that get your heart racing, you know, maybe it's not obliquely, you know, aphrodisiac inspired, um, because you could just get, you know, endorphins pumping, or not endorphins, but, um, you know, heart, blood flow, more, you know, circulating better. But you're saying that there's nothing that is specifically aphrodisiac whatsoever. That's a myth. Yeah, I, I, I mean, as, as far as as far as I know, there's no mm-hmm. chemical that the human body reacts to in a sexual way. So there's no food and or uh, scent that if you were to smell or to eat would immediately cause you to have sexual desire. There are Across things the board. Yeah, right? just like yeah. like there's no like, you know, um, there's no pheromones. Pheromones for humans have not been isolated. There might be, um, but they haven't been isolated yet. Uh, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and a lot of the, the, the research that I've done on food and aphrodisiacs more leans towards, as you were saying, increase in blood flow, which is essentially what Good. Viagra does. Yeah. Um, and um, what you know, and you know, conjuring images that are and kind of just like a sim- symbolic type thing. So yeah. if you if you look at, um, you know, in Chinese culture, there's whale, uh, there's uh, shark fin soups. Um, that in and of itself has nothing to do with blood flow stimulation or anything like that it's the process of emasculating another animal for the sake of bringing that masculinity into your body they're eating the penises from rhinos is something that's happened before or um cows and things of that nature i mean or bulls i mean taking uh, in the animal spirit mm -hmm. for your kind of i mean oysters Mm -hmm. look like um you know female genitalia yeah i mean like all that type of stuff it's all kind of more a spiritual kind of metaphorical type thing than an actual physical reaction So it's all myth. It's all theory. I mean, I don't know if it's myth or theory. What about what about potions? You know, (laughs) we have all these great, you know, this great legends and history of aphrodisiac potions and uh, tinctures and who knows smells. What is that? uh, There's that that great um, that great uh, perfume that they used to sell in the seventies. I can't remember the name of it. That had like monkey piss in it and stuff like that. Yeah, that was. a perfume in the 70s? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Spanish Fly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spanish right. Fly is like urine and rotting something right. or other. And it, wow. that was a... Perfume is a weird subject. There's The musk is actually whale vomit. Or some, something vomit. I can't remember. I think it is. There's a, or, and you know what's phenomenal about all yeah. that stuff is that each human being has gene receptors that tell it tell each human what they smell and whether or not it's palatable so like mm-hmm. there's a specific gene that if it's turned off um cilantro is unpalatable to human beings um like, what exactly does unpalatable mean like if you smell like, cilantro you want to kill people like whoa. like my friend just hates cilantro so much but it's a genetic thing her body can't process that smell in a palatable sense like um the human yeah. human male musk and there's another gene on that same chain that if it's shut off 
you know, men will smell atrocious to you. But what? there's nothing you can do. No wonder some people are so averse to cilantro. And there's there's a chemical reason for that. Same thing with vanilla. Yeah. Same thing with uh, lavender. There's a lot of these huh. scents and chemical compounds. The human body just either processes or doesn't process. And if it does, then you're okay. If it doesn't, it could throw your entire life That's right kind of mystery. Wow. Hey, That's Kathy, kind of uh, you, Yo. have, you have a caller with a question. All right. Hey, what can we do for you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is Jason. I had a question for you. I was wondering, do you have any suggestions for uh, some gluten-free baked foods? Actually, um, there is a terrific blog called The Gluten-Free Girl, and um, she has tons of recipes. There are several gluten-free cookbooks. Rachel, do you know of any? Um, I don't know of any specifically, but I know that in terms of cupcakes, like all the time I'm seeing a lot of people selling gluten-free cupcakes. There's another blog, Allergic Girl. Um, Sloan Miller, she has advice about that. Um, and th- there's, I know there's more gluten-free cookbooks coming next year, too. Tons, tons. Everybody seems to be gluten-free these days. It's a big thing. And what are just some gluten-free, you know, rice? Is that one? No? No, uh, I'm totally Corn wrong. as well. Corn. Um, millet. Millet. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my grandfather had uh, celiac disease, so I have a whole bunch of pasta recipes that are essentially corn-based pasta mm-hmm. recipes. Um, but Forget I, the pasta. But but I can't. I, I I'm terrible at baking, so I have no recommendations for baking. Without, yeah, without baking, gluten. baking is tough because you generally think of wheat. But um, there's t- there's a lot of substitutes. Oats. Um, sorghum. Sorghum. Xanthan gum is useful in some regards because it, it holds uh, binding nature. But again, I don't know the the principles of that kind of stuff. Right. I can give non. I can give. I can give teach, teach you how to make a sponge cake without any starches whatsoever using just gels. That mm-hmm. would be helpful to the caller. Jason, are you still there? Okay, we're good. All right. So uh, I hope uh, his gluten-free troubles are fixed or his gluten-free girlfriend. Isn't gluten-free more common in women? It, or... I'm not sure. I have several gluten-free family members, but it's mixed. Oh, it is? But, but I've, okay. I might have heard that, but I'm, I'm not sure. It seems to me that a lot of people become gluten-free later on in life, and they're generally women. Um, it is a big diet trend right now. I don't know whether or not it's dietary based for allergies or purposes I'm like that. I'm seeing it a lot. Like I have a Google news alert on like gluten-free plus cupcakes and like every day. Gluten-free day cupcakes. Was that yeah, cra- that the is crazy woman quite... from The View did that. Um, oh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Yeah. Hasselbeck. yeah. She has a G-free diet yeah. or something. She's insane. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't watch The View, but I know no, she has a, she's insane, I know though. she has a isn't she the super conservative one? Yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's the she's crazy one. Yeah. But the thing with that, though, is I think whether or not you actually are need to be gluten-free, the second you start vi- you know, viciously restricting your diet or watching what you're eating, you immediately start to lose weight. So whether it's gluten-free or if you're only going to eat orange food or if you're going to eat just things that are killed on Wednesdays. <laughs> you block out a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. you start yeah. not even just blocking out, but you start paying so much attention to it, you're immediately going to start restricting your calorie intake. You're going to start paying more attention to the food you put in your body and you're going to eventually lose weight. You know what I mean? Like, So if I fashion myself a so-called aphrodisiac diet, then I will probably lose weight. <laughs> Oysters, all the better. And you might, you might have more chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, you might have more sex as well. Yeah. So. And that burns calories. It does. It burns calories. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you just, there you go. And I'll look way better too. Yeah. Yeah. The healthy glow. And then you can tell perfect. people, you can say, I'm this on the aphrodisiac diet. This is my next food diet. challenge. Yeah. 
I, but you <laughs> like, guys, I'm gonna get. I have to get other people to help me out with this one too. Because uh, we're not good. Yeah, I need. <laughs> I need like, a real. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I actually act, might need to look into this a bit more because it sounds like a lot of things are actually, just untested. There's this book, The mm-hmm. Orgasm Diet, and I've no. now forgotten like exactly we need what to was get in that it. person no, on here. And um, <laughs> it actually like I forgot. Part of it was eating dark chocolate every day, and part of it was like the omega threes. I think it was like about that, and it was like part of it i'm sure was psychological like you're noticing if you hmm. think you're on an aphrodisiac diet wow. you're noticing it but I, I sort of tried it not mm-hmm. exactly by the okay whatever did you try it for um to write about it yeah. for some of your writings yeah cool i mean and so you really put yourself out there and really well, test it wasn't it was also right, like no? fairly healthy it wasn't okay. like eat you know potato chips and then you're gonna be turned on all the time <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if there was like the like fatty food diet but like then also aphrodisiac, like the <laughs> anti-diet, if people would do that. I got to check this out. Where'd you write about this book? Is um, it for, no, I just, like, oh, okay. they wanted me to, like, blurb it or whatever. So I was like, oh, well, okay. I'll nice. try it. I, but I forget the details. But it was something about omega-3s and mm-hmm. chocolate. I just remember dark chocolate. Yeah. Which I actually really like dark chocolate. I totally. hadn't eaten that much of it before. It's totally different than milk chocolate. Absolutely. It's way better. It's more chocolatey. It's more chocolate. By definition. Yes. <laughs> Less cocoa butter. But I think if you're used to milk chocolate, it's challenging at first. You know, it is. Yeah. It's like bigger. It's just less. Right. Yeah. It's like more adult. That's how I think of it. (laughs) Less sweet. I like that. More adult. So actually, one one of the things I want to ask you, Rachel, is, uh, you know, you write for various. You also not only do you edit a lot of sex writing, but you write write it yourself Mm -hmm. how do you feel about like putting yourself out there being public image and uh do you get like a lot of you know crazy crazies coming up to you i don't get a lot but you know one Mm -hmm. goes (laughs) one goes a long way yeah um you know i think it's also because i do public events you know right in the flesh i can't really control who comes to those but i mean for the most part like i meet really cool people from all Mm -hmm. over so there's this woman who's peace i'm publishing in best sex writing 2010 who's going to be here from ireland in december and she's reading for me so like for the most part i meet really cool people for the most part and that i meet really cool people interesting and it's like maybe i have one thing in common with them that i know about at first and then it Mm -hmm. turns out i have other things so like i went to toronto and we did a cupcake meetup and this woman Juanita Koo, who has this sweet things toronto she made me little cupcakes with like that said sex on them oh that's so fun so it's like you mean really interesting mix Is it, they really catered it to you yes, yeah that was and, very nice. and why is that why do you write about cupcakes and then and sex just, like that well they're really separate like i started mm-hmm. the cupcake blog kind of on a whim i also started a comedy blog which no longer exists i was like oh i'll just start this blog that blog and cupcakes took off in a ridiculous way but like, it's funny because i think i was talking to somebody else about this and we felt like there's something really cutesy flirty and sexy about cupcakes and then we finally realized that we're both actually thinking of you in the back of our heads <laughs> and we're like there's some connection there between like well, some you know sex and cupcakes and then a lot of well some people, sometimes people are like why are all these sex people into cupcakes and i think it's because just a lot of people are into cupcakes but mm-hmm. now there's a little bit of a backlash like there's this article in Vanity Fair this month that's like anti-cuteness and it's all about how like baby videos and animal videos and cupcakes are too cute and it's tried to be like linking cupcakes and sadism and I was like cuteness and sadism and I was like 
These people, some people, and I see it with cupcakes. Sometimes people mm-hmm. are like, ew, you have a whole blog about cupcakes. Like, what do you write about? I was like, well, we write about cupcakes. There's like 10,000 posts. There's a lot to say. You know, I mean, I've there is a lot of, to say. I've heard of backlash about cupcakes for like health reasons, for like there you is know, that kids' too. birthdays. I think Why some do we people always... just think it's too twee and like, it's just I, too I, much. I kind of think sometimes it's they think it's too girlish that's mm-hmm. my take on it yeah do you think it's too girlish michael know. cupcakes i love cupcakes you i'm gonna be cupcakes. honest i think the biggest thing is that it's more of a fat it was it feels more like a fad than it does something in particular and i think the united states have gone through a really big bit of that fad so to speak and like excitement about it and exuberance mm-hmm. about these so small compartmentalized com- you know pastries i guess you'd say i was just in london and it's just starting to become interesting over there. They just got through a whole Jello phase, which Jello, no. wow, yeah, um, right. So, so way you, behind because we hear like whoopie pies, like all the time. It's like macarons are the new cupcakes. Whoopie pies are the new cupcakes. Or cream puffs or this whatever. This is the new cupcakes. We don't. I have not heard Jello as the new cupcakes. Jello is not going to make it here like it did in, in the UK. But what I'm saying <laughs> Were is, there like Jello bars, like Jello. No, actually, yeah. we, we have a set Jiggers? of friends. No, we have a set of friends. Uh, they're called the Jello Mongers. Uh, Sam and Harry. They um they do phenomenal architectural jellies wow. but what when we were over there you just saw not that jello's coming this way but the cupcakes are going uh, that way so this whole resurgence okay. and in, in asia and in exactly Europe, the migration of the cupcake over. trend you're gonna yeah. you might have to move to london next no. i might or at least I go would, there and would, see how the brits are I, I have, making I have, them i have tried some london cupcakes i have the my dream flag like, on them you know someone funds their site and i get to go travel all over to all these bakeries because there's like cupcakes in berlin cupcakes in malaysia cupcakes in hong kong wow great south africa so. Yeah. South Africa, we have yet to see. Check out the Cupcakes <laughs> Take the Cake blog and Rachel's Travels coming up on that next, hopefully. Also check out Eraser, com for more of what Michael's been up to and is going to do for the seven days seven days of fishes. Seven fishes of Christmas. Sorry. Anyway. You're, you're very close. More, <laughs> very I'm close. getting everything wrong. And um, the Noble Rots wine pairing dinner coming up on the 10th. And also, who else is... Uh, Going to be at the Sex and Food Night on January that is 21st. January 21st. We have Emily Farris of Casserole Crazy. There we go. And Yolanda, Yolanda Shoshana. The Luscious Life. And me. And Heather Whaley, Eat Your Feelings. All right. Uh, go to InTheFleshReadingSeries.com. Thanks so much, Rachel, for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. And uh, well, I actually will be away next week, but we'll be back the next week after that. I want to thank Jack Insley and all the folks here at Heritage Radio Network. I want to thank TechServe. And uh, this is Cheap Date. I'm Kathy Array. Thanks so much. <laughs>